Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Proclaimed to be the most haunted hotel in America, the 1886 Crescent Hotel has seen its fair share of strange and unnecessary death. Join us as we look into the history and hauntings and see if it really lives up to its title. This is episode number 58 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunted Hotels of the Ozarks, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Baker Hospital, 1938. Dr. Norman Baker was hunched over his desk, scribbling away on a notepad when a nurse walked in. Dr. Baker, she said in a small voice. He didn't respond, just kept on scribbling. The nurse repeated herself, a bit louder this time. What is it, he said, looking up from his desk. It's Theodora, the nurse said. She's just passed away. Dr. Baker looked up with an expression of apathy on his face. Refresh my memory, the doctor said after a moment of awkward silence. Room 419, the nurse said in an annoyed tone. This was the third patient under Dr. Baker's care who had passed away that month. She and some of the other nurses were beginning to doubt his credentials. The doctor waved his hand in a dismissive gesture and looked back down at his papers. Clear the body out of the room he said as he returned to his scribbling. After an hour or so, Dr. Baker finished the letters he was writing, stuffed each one in an envelope, and stuck them in the basket by the door to be mailed out in the morning. It was getting late, and the hallway was dark as he pulled his jacket on and stepped out of his office. As he was walking towards the stairway, he heard a strange sound coming from down the hall behind him. He turned and saw nothing, so he started walking in the direction it was coming from. As he got closer, he noticed it sounded like an adult woman sobbing. Assuming it was just one of the patients, he went to turn and head back towards the stairs, but paused when he noticed what room the sound was coming from. 419. The room where Theodora had passed away earlier that evening. That room should be empty, he said to himself. He approached the door and slowly turned the handle unsure of what he'd find. He wasn't superstitious, but for some reason he had an uneasy feeling as he slowly pushed the door open. It was dark inside the room, but there was enough moonlight spilling through the window for him to see that the bed was empty and neatly made. At that moment, he noticed something out of the corner of his eye. The figure of a person standing by the window. It seemed to be where the sobbing was coming from. "'Who's there?' he asked." He squinted his eyes, hopelessly trying to force them to adjust. He was trying to determine if he was looking at the silhouette of a person or a coat rack. He stumbled back as the figure stepped towards him out of the dark into the moonlight. Pale skin, eyes red from crying. 
She went to open her mouth to say something, but disappeared just as quickly as she appeared. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Located in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas, Eureka Springs was founded around and because of the natural springs located throughout the area. Early visitors who came seeking the healing pourers of the natural spring waters in the 1830s camped around the springs in tents and wagons or other makeshift shelters. The city was formed in 1879 and wooden structures replaced the tents, but in the 1880s, Most of those original buildings were destroyed by several disastrous fires that ravaged the area. These buildings were replaced by buildings inspired by the Victorian era and the Second Empire. Many references to the rugged terrain of Eureka Springs has been made through nicknames such as The Town That Climbs the Mountain, Little Switzerland, and The Stair-Step Town, as buildings and houses in the Eureka Springs historic district are stacked one behind the other on 20 steep hills divided by 19 ravines. One of the Victorian-era buildings constructed was the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa. The hotel was originally constructed to help meet the demand created by the legend of the Healing Springs. More than 60 springs, which bubbled up healing water in and around Eureka's downtown area, were visited by thousands of tourists in the late 19th century. A United States senator named Clayton Powell, along with his friend and business partner Richard Kearns, sponsored the creation of the Eureka Springs Railroad, and then in 1884, they commissioned architect Isaac S. Taylor to build a luxurious hotel high atop the cliff that overlooked the heart of Eureka Springs. It was a massive project, but the construction of the building wasn't without tragedy. After the skeleton frame of the building was constructed, a young Irish stonemason named Michael, who was working on top of the structure, tried to get the attention of a young lady walking by below but in doing so, he lost his footing and plunged to his death in what is now room 218. It was a tragedy, but the project moved forward nevertheless, and on May 20th, 1886, the doors swung open for its grand opening. Ownership of the hotel changed hands a couple times over the next decade as business would decline in the off-season. In 1905, the Frisco Railroad Company owned the hotel and made the decision to lease the building as a dormitory. This worked out for several years, until 1934, when the economic decline from the Great Depression caused the hotel to close its doors indefinitely. Then, in 1937, a man named Norman Baker purchased the Crescent Hotel and converted it to Baker's Cancer Curing Hospital. Baker nationally advertised a strict regimen of fresh air, healthy food, and exercise as the basis for his cancer treatments. There was just one problem. Baker wasn't a doctor. He was, among other things, a radio broadcaster and a former vaudeville magician who had become rich selling a musical instrument called the Air Calliophone. Likewise, his hospital didn't offer any real cancer treatment, rather a special elixir made up of watermelon extract corn silk, and alcohol. Patients who came to Baker's hospital were promised that if their cancer wasn't cured in three to six weeks, they could return for more treatment free of charge, except for board, room, and transportation. 
according to the court documents. Medical examinations at the hospital consisted of palpitating patients and pinching them and looking at them, and Baker's facilities didn't contain any microscopes. Many perished while receiving Baker's hopeless therapy, and to ensure their families would continue to send money for their loved one's treatment, he would often forge letters from the deceased patients so that their families would believe they were still alive receiving treatment. Throughout the years, authorities tried many times to shut down Baker's operations. The Federal Radio Commission revoked his broadcasting permit, but he simply moved his station to Mexico and increased its wattage. Doctors and scientists published articles debunking him, and law enforcement tried to imprison him for practicing medicine without a license, all to no avail. What finally brought about Baker's downfall were charges of mail fraud for posting materials promoting his cure. He served four years in Levensworth and then retired to Florida, where he lived until his death in 1958. After the charlatan doctor was ousted, the Crescent Hotel subsequently underwent a period of fluid ownership over the next several decades, experiencing cycles of prosperity and hardship. In 1997, the Crescent Hotel finally saw the end of its cyclical change in ownership when Marty and Elise Roenick purchased the business and initiated a series of thorough renovations, which restored the building to its original beauty. But along with the renovations came the hauntings that gave this hotel its dark reputation. The reputation of being the most haunted hotel in the Ozarks, and some claiming in all of America. Certain ghosts seemed to haunt specific areas of the hotel. A couple checked into room 221 one summer. On the second night of their stay, they went to bed with just a sheet covering them due to the heat. In the middle of the night, the husband woke abruptly, covered in sweat, to find that while they were asleep, somebody or something had covered them with a heavy comforter and tucked it into three sides of the bed. He tossed the comforter off onto the floor and went back to sleep, only to wake up a short time later, covered and tucked in again. This happened three times over the course of that night. The Crystal Dining Room is another room where many spirits and unusual occurrences have been witnessed. One evening, during the Christmas season, employees closed up the dining room for the night and went home. When they returned to open again in the morning, they found the grand Christmas tree and all the packages beneath it had been moved to the opposite side of the room, with chairs circling, facing it. Another time, an employee reported looking into the giant mirror separating the dining room from the kitchen and saw a couple dressed in Victorian-era clothing facing each other. The male figure then turned and made eye contact with the waitress. She turned away from the mirror to look behind her, where they would have been standing, but nobody was there. Other employees have witnessed people dancing in Victorian ball attire while the room was closed and dark. But the most commonly reported paranormal encounter is that of a man sitting at a table near the window. When encountered, he's reported to say, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night, and I'm waiting for her to return. Several ghosts, believed to be from the late 1930s, when the hotel was used as a cancer hospital, have also been spotted throughout the building. Dr. Baker has been seen in the hotel lobby. He is described as a man in a purple shirt and a white linen suit matching photographs of the infamous entrepreneur. The laundry room is located next to Dr. Baker's old morgue, which still contains his autopsy table and walk-in freezer. 
On numerous different occasions, a nurse pushing a hospital gurney has been seen squeaking and rattling down the halls of the hotel, and housekeepers have reported meeting Theodora in room 419. She introduces herself as a cancer patient of Dr. Baker before vanishing into thin air. The most haunted room, however, is room 218, the room known as Michael's room. This is the room where the Irish stonemason fell to his death during the construction of the building. This room proves to be the most spiritually active room in the hotel and has attracted television film crews for decades because of the quantity and quality of the ghost sightings reported. The spirit has been classified as a poltergeist due to the nature of the activity in the room. Common occurrences are doors swinging open and then slamming shut, unable to be reopened, furniture moving, the wails of a man coming from the ceiling, and a disembodied hand protruding from the mirror. All of these sightings have been witnessed multiple times by multiple different guests and hotel employees. Not too far from the Crescent Hotel sits another notoriously haunted hotel. The Basin Park Hotel in Eureka Springs opened its doors in 1905 and was built on the grave of the Perry House, the original hotel on that plot of real estate that burned to the ground in 1890. Some believe that this is the reason the hotel is so haunted. The original was built by a man named Captain Joseph Perry. When Perry moved to the Eureka Springs area, he was reportedly an incurable invalid. After finding healing in the springs, Perry decided to move there permanently. He erected the Perry House, a four-story luxury hotel which was made out of wood. The Perry House opened in 1881. Unfortunately, the hotel burned down in one of the many fires that plagued Eureka Springs in 1890, and from the ashes rose the more fireproof Basin Park Hotel in 1905. Instead of wood, it was constructed out of local limestone a stone known scientifically to retain energy in the form of heat. During Prohibition, the hotel became a place where people could engage in illicit activities like drinking and gambling. Al Capone's sister reportedly lingered there for a month. This was shut down in 1955 after a police raid seized all the booze and slot machines. The owner at the time sold the property after the raid as it was no longer as lucrative as it had been. In 1997, the hotel was purchased by Marty and Elise Roenick, the same couple who bought the Crescent Hotel around the same time. Locals shared tales of the spirits reported to dwell inside the Basin Park, and Marty and Elise agreed that these mysteries needed to be solved. Reports of paranormal activity in the hotel include human-shaped shadows seen in the ballroom, large faces that appear in stained glass windows in the ballroom's foyer, and recurring orbs that are seen on the guest floors especially those wings of the hotel that abut the ramps to the limestone bluffs behind the hotel. But possibly the most harrowing paranormal encounter occurred in January of 2018. According to BasinPark.com, a well-known national paranormal expert and his wife were granted access to the Barefoot Ballroom for a private investigation, explained Keith Scales manager of the paranormal tours at both the Basin Park Hotel and its sister property, the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa. After the group had seen several moving shadows and experienced numerous temperature fluctuations, one of the tour guides during an EVP session started to feel pressure on his throat. The pressure increased, causing him to cough, unable to breathe. 
He scrambled to his feet and left the ballroom, hoping to escape this grasp and get some air. When he returned to the ballroom, he pulled down his turtleneck to have the others in the room check his neck. They saw red marks encircling a white area at the front of his throat as though two hands had tried to choke him. It's unknown what spirit may have attacked the guide that day, but it's suspected that the hotel is haunted by the ghost of Captain Joseph Perry, the owner of the original hotel that used to stand where the Basin Park stands today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 58. Five, eight. That's something that me and Dave will never be. <laughs> Someone who is five, eight is Rob. Hi, Rob. Hey, Dave. How are you doing tonight? Everything going well? Yeah. All right. Nice job on the episode. Thanks, buddy. Hey, no problem. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. This, uh, this is very strange. Uh, what's going on? It's episode 58. Uh, what's up to everybody who's hanging out in live chat? We got the whole crew here. The Stephanies are here. Papa Squatch is here. Brennan is here. Matthew T. Uh, Solar Flare, welcome in and thanks for the uh, sub on Patreon. We also have one other new patron. Who is the, the other new one? Anna Solar Flare and Anna Campbell, who's also. Ah, yes. That. Two brand new ones. And always a big shout out to our VIPs. As we always do, we'll shout you guys out at the end here. Uh, we also have our new stickers that dropped. Very exciting stuff. We will uh, go more into depth on that at the end of the show. But for now, we're talking about Eureka Springs, Arkansas in the Ozarks. And uh, we had to look into where the Ozarks actually was. And it we covers. But, well, we did. We had to for Rob because Rob thought that it was only in Missouri. But I didn't say only Missouri. I just said, aren't they also in Missouri? That's they not are. I was trying to be nice tonight. And all right, well, let's just do it. Let's just get into it, you fucks. <laughs> 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 um yeah so a few few haunted hotels here what do we cover two or three of them we covered two of them we got the uh, crescent hotel and the basin park hotel which were built pretty close to around the same time about 15 years apart and uh they are now owned by the same person they basically bought up both of them in uh the late 90s and i think that they were both paranormal enthusiasts which is why they've leaned fully into like the, ho- the haunted hotel um angle is that where that video came the, the videos came from? Because all of a sudden your video went from like just a regular hometown ghost stories video to like extreme drone, like the drone king. They hired the king of operating drones. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, hilarious because almost me, as good as me. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> Andrew and I were testing out a new drone that uh Andrew uh Captain McSlugs so graciously got for us to to film on Sunday. We'll give more details of that in the future as well. But and we were testing it out in almost crashed it. He almost took my head off with it. He, we almost crashed into traffic. We're, we're figuring out. It was a very windy day, so very tricky. But then I'm watching this guy who's flying through like slightly open windows and zooming up porches and everything. This guy is just absolute mastermind of drones. Very impressive stuff. I don't know yeah, how people was, can get that good at it. That was from uh, the website, which is America's Most Haunted Hotel.com. And the YouTube I, th- I actually credited in the video was uh, 1886 Crescent Hotel on YouTube. And that was, yeah. 
excellent drone footage. So it was uh, fun to be able to incorporate that while I'm crediting my sources. I'll just credit all my sources here. So we got America's most haunted hotel.com, historichotels.org, travelurecasprings.com, the newyorker.com, basinpark.com, arkansasonline.com, and crescenthotel.com. Thanks. Yeah, that was some uh, some seriously good footage. And that, like, not only was it just good drone footage, but they had like spooky elements and crazy lighting and stuff too. So if you haven't already, audio listeners, make sure you uh, sub on YouTube. You guys are missing out on some pretty extreme content that we All right, let's, listen here, that we Ricardo. steal from the internet. Listen here. With your comment, Rob, can you even get a drone <laughs> through the bridge? The one thing I was doing right was flying that drone straight through the bridge and... It's tough something you have a ghost interfering with you. When you have ghost <laughs> interfering, and when you get a drone from Wish.com, it's it's difficult to uh, <laughs> to navigate those things. That was the one time I was moving it properly, though. It was going the right direction. Everything was going right, and then it just like hit an invisible wall. So <laughs> everything that goes wrong in my life is definitely a ghost's fault. <laughs> Start implementing ghost excuses. Honestly, now. honestly, yes. Currently. <laughs> <laughs> ghost or a cursed chair yeah or in rob's case everything is going right because of a cursed chair but yeah i need you to come curse. like cursing <laughs> i need you to come curse more objects i will uh, thank I you will that for you thank you i appreciate it anytime so let's jump into the what i consider to be the least of the two extremely haunted hotels which would be the second one that you covered the basin park hotel yeah yes. dave doesn't know how to like build up an episode and start and escalate things and end with the with the you know the third act, he starts That's all right. with the third act. At, at least he covered the most haunted place in this <laughs> in the town last week. You're like, oh, let's let's research this town. So I look it up. I'm like, all right, well, let's let's focus in on on uh, the McRaven Mansion because that's obviously the the thing he's gonna finish with, and then you never even get to it at all. So at least he got to the most. That, that's called leaving meat on the bone. Again, building up so that next time we do Vicksburg, Mississippi, we have an even bigger story to cover, right? You didn't leave meat on the bone. You left the whole animal. Yeah, you left the entire yeah, around. Like you, you cooked two turkeys on Thanksgiving and left one sitting in the oven. That's what you did. Nobody's ever done that. That's right. Nobody. That's not even a good that. analogy. What are you going? Where are you going with this? You, you left half your bone. family hungry. That's that's what that's what you did. All right. Imagine having a family. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it was got real sad. Can real we quick. We some sad music. God damn, we don't have any sad tiny violin music. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so uh, what was this, the second hotel? It was the oh, Basin Park Hotel. Basin and that Park, was yeah. the one that was built on the site of a, a former hotel that had burnt down. So this Eureka Springs was like ravaged by just incessant fires like in the late 1890s and or the early 1890s. And it just burnt down like 75% of the, the, um, the city. So they had to like rebuild everything. And one of the things that they rebuilt was this hotel, but instead of rebuilding it out of wood, they rebuilt it out of stone. So that was that big, massive stone hotel that we saw in the video there. And they believe that it's as haunted as it is mainly because of the fire. So apparently I could, I couldn't find anything on anyone that died in the fire, but I assume if it was a, if it was a hotel and burnt to the ground, I assume there were probably some casualties there. So I think that's what the, uh, what gets credit for the the hauntings there? Well, it's also a hotel, and just like the amount of things that can happen in a hotel that we don't even know about. Mm-hmm. We, we, I mean, we're gonna we've we've said this before. We'll say it again because hotels are just, you know, if you have twenty rooms, there's twenty different things happening 
every single night. Not all of them are going to be good, right? Right. You know, from from like people doing bad things to just natural tragedies happening, like you know, heart attacks and stuff like that. Like, yeah, we don't we don't ever know the full history of a hotel, right? And the amount of people that commit suicide in hotels is like astronomical. For some reason, people love to go to hotels to do that. Yeah, it's hotels and casino parking lots. Those are like the top two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the casino parking lots is, you you understand where they're coming from there. Gambled everything away. Oh, of course, yeah. Sad stuff. But um, this one also, so also there was a lot of um, illicit activities during Prohibition going on at this one. This was uh, like a mafia hotspot um, back in the uh, Prohibition era. So mafia people would go there to, you know, They'd be on the lamb, as they mm-hmm. say. You know, it was on the lamb. It was Goza Nostra. Goza Nostra. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's the Nostra shirts. Oh, we need those. You know what I actually tried to yeah. do was I I tried to design a ghost that also looks like a mafia like capo, and it just mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. <laughs> I was like, this just looks like a fat white person. <laughs> like it's because you put it you put a hat on him and a cigar sticking out of his mouth. It no longer looks oh, like a ghost. Man. Jesse, our mascot is called Bucky McHat. All you do is put a fedora on that ghost. And then when you do the pirate ghost, you just put a pirate hat on there because yeah, he's Bucky McHat and he has all like these the, different hats. It loses the pointy ghost hat and it just looks like a fat face. <laughs> so. Which is all weird. All of a sudden you put a hat on it just looks like me. There's a fat face with a hat on it. So it's, it's <laughs> yeah, Casher did say you have a fat face. I know. Yeah, I've been, I haven't eaten since. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's funny because I actually believe you. that. <laughs> I just, I just drink. Anyway, <laughs> Anna wants to know uh, why everyone is so mean to Dave. And I think it's a really good question. I think it's a great question. She's new. All right, so let's yeah, let's uh, just bring him back and let's put the focus on. Let's, uh, let's explain how sad you are about that, Dave. I'm not. I don't care. I don't care what they say about me. And the, the truth is, they pick on me because I'm the only one that can take it. These two are so friggin' sensitive. That it just if we try to make fun cash of call, cash called me fat once and I haven't shut up about it. I guess you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> I threatened but, to yeah. steal all his daughter's cheerleading fundraising money. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to some uh, haunted Eureka Springs, huh? Yes. So uh so the ghosts that haunt this area are well, the main one, I guess, was the guy getting choked. So I was reading about this and they for some reason they said it was a two very well known uh, paranormal investigators, but they left out who it was, which I thought mm. was kind of peculiar. So I, mean, I probably could have figured it out if I dug into it, but I just didn't. So they were investigating the ballroom and I guess he felt the pressure on his neck and then they they pulled his turtleneck down and they could see the red marks. I included the pictures in the uh, video portion if you're listening, but they, they uh, he clearly had like two very obvious red marks on his neck from where the pressure was applied. So I mean, we talk about it sometimes. That's something that we say could be faked, but we like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And it looked pretty real to me. So that's so in your video when you were like, and he started when he started to get choked. When he started to get choked, he started to cuh. And I thought you were gonna go somewhere else with that. Like we were gonna say another C word, but then you said you said cough. So and he mysteriously kept showing back up to the scene <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> Looking for more haunted activity. He kept going back and he kept getting choked. And he left with a smile on his face every he was single day. An entire leather outfit. 
and always brought a change of pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Stephanie says the ghost has a kink. Don't shame him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't be shaming the shaming the man for his kinks. Hey, um, as long as it's consensual, like whatever. Yeah. Only consensual ghost. Yeah. Strangulation. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but so that was uh, one of them. One of the other hauntings that I thought was interesting was the... So it would be one thing if they said there were faces that appear in the stained glass windows, but they're extremely large faces that appear in the stained glass windows, which I thought Jesse. was an interesting detail. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. See, he can't handle it. <laughs> I can't. I, yeah. I don't have thick skin like Dave. I just have this thick face. <laughs> it's not Cosa Nostra. <laughs> You know what we need to add to the uh, the hometown ghost stories bingo card is every time we mention Al Capone. Is Al Capone already on there? Because he wants to get <laughs> inserted into this random episode in the Ozarks. Like, how does this man make it into every single episode? Every single episode. We're in the middle of the woods in Arkansas. <laughs> they mentioned it. it wasn't him; it was his sister. His but yeah, sister. his name was yeah. his name was brought up. So yeah. she, yeah, she lingered there for a month, as they say. Yeah. Which. Uh, who cares? It's a sister. Right. Was she, was she affiliated with the gang? We just like throw that in there. And his yeah. cousin, too. Yeah. And just somebody named Al. <laughs> An Italian uh, stayed here once. <laughs> <laughs> he kept saying, this is not Goza Nostra, bro. Yeah. Spaghetti. All right, move on. Oh, my God. We had to do the hand thing. Um, so another one of the ghost sightings that are on this, that is at this location are the human shaped shadow figures. So shadow figures are typically something that is tied to demonic entities, agents of darkness, things like that. And also the guy was attacked. So you wonder if those two things are correlated, or at least I wondered that was where my mind went. So, uh, some pretty spooky stuff that goes on here. Yeah. Uh, a, an actual physical attack, you gotta think it's something demonic or, I wouldn't say poltergeist, but <clears throat> after diving into the history of poltergeist, it seems like the majority of poltergeist cases aren't violent towards people. Like, yeah, they'll they'll throw shit around your house, but rarely do they actually attack a person. When they start attacking people and physically harming people, then they think it's something more demonic. True. I was actually reading about a unrelated a poltergeist from the 1600s today over in England that was very violent towards people. So I look forward to looking more into that one. And that will probably be an episode in the future but not today so we'll see we could talk about those theories but uh, as far as this one goes uh, i didn't find a lot about um you know other other than what we already had mentioned as far as the hauntings go um but they're pretty pretty legit also uh, orbs are seen all over the uh, guest floors this is a place where you can see not just much- the pictures though from what i gathered it's also like you literally just see them floating down the the hallways and stuff yeah, yeah, which is from your eye. Yeah, pretty weird. That is pretty rare. Usually when we experience orbs, it's something that you only see in videos or pictures. It's tough to catch it, capture it with the naked eye. So unless they have a uh, mysterious bubble machine going off, then I would say that's pretty unique. Yeah, it's interesting because, well, the ones that you see in person, I think are hold a little bit more weight because most of the ones that you see in a camera are just di- uh, dusts or like light reflecting off the lens or water droplets. And things like that. So if you're seeing it in person, that pretty much rules all of those things out. 
for the last five minutes, chat has been going off different shaped ghosts that could possibly pop up. <laughs> and uh, this, one, this one got me is, uh, is uh, Stephanie says spy, spider shadows. That, that spider shaped shadow would scare the hell out of me. That's for sure. That would be scary. Why are we yeah. talking about the shapes of ghosts? Oh, because human shapes, right? Yeah. Stephanie says, wouldn't most shadow figures be human shapes? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could have, yeah, that's hence the chat. Dog shaped shadows. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Being redundant. But um, so as we mentioned, the uh, unless you, if you guys had anything else on this one, I think the main one is obviously the Crescent Hotel. Um, not a ghost fact about it, but Ripley's Believe It or Not had a little article on this one because every floor of this hotel is actually at ground level, which is interesting. How does that work? Because it's right next to that hill and you can actually get off from every floor onto the hill next to it. Oh, that is weird. Huh? So that's a real interesting fact about the hotel. Like you can, I, I don't know exactly from which angle, if you have to go to like to an exit door or something at the end, or if it's just straight from the balconies, but it's right next to that hill, so you can just get off of the hotel at every floor. That's pretty cool. But yeah, you're right. It is adjacent to that um, to that limestone wall. And yeah. the limestone, again, we talk about it five times every episode, but the stone tape theory with the uh, the, the that specifically the limestone, the limestone is what retains the energy. So that would make sense as to why this place is as haunted as it is. All right, if you can recover from that stroke you just had, we'll get to the other location here. Please stop going down on ghosts while we're on air. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, Dr. Baker was kind of a piece of shit. This guy sucked, huh? Pretty crazy. This was the original thing that caught my attention when I started uh, researching this this um, location was this guy and his ridiculous scheme. And it's just it's baffling that people bought into it. Right. I mean, he calls himself a doctor and for all they know, he was because there was nothing really out there at the time that uh, basically held him to the standard that he should have been held. So there were like associations that were debunking him and debunking the quote unquote science that he was using to quote unquote cure the cancer. And uh, he would just every time that somebody would put out an article debunking him, he would sue them <laughs> for defamation. So uh, it was insane how long he was able to keep this thing going, which was only a couple of years. But you know, it's two- insane that he was able to even start it off. I mean, he went from a vaudeville performer, which is what one step above being in the circus. Yeah, it might just be in the circus. Like, like it was to go from that to just being like, now I'm a doctor. It's just, I know, what a career jump. And well, he made like stupid money selling those ridiculous instruments. So he just had this like, you know, he just had fu money, and he basically just bought a empty hotel and was like now i'm gonna cure cancer this is now and my hospital it's bananas it, <laughs> I, the things he was doing was insane so i mean obviously he claimed he was curing cancer from an obs- absolutely obscure ointment or whatever you want to call it his, his medicine elixir which, his elixir which consisted of crushed up watermelon seeds and what else there was uh silk uh what was it i don't have it in front of me a bunch of just nonsense like clover extract and uh i can't find it but yeah just a bunch of just like silly nonsense stuff. Silly, yeah, stuff. silly stuff that and when, like brennan so, says in, in chat snake oil basically yeah exactly he was a snake oil salesman exactly but what was crazy was was the stuff he was able to get away with so he was pitching this thing as it'll cure your cancer 
And he was claiming that it had a 100% success rate. And when people died, <laughs> you had mentioned in the episode that he was just writing letters to their families like, hey, I'm doing fine, you know, just cancer-free now or still at this hospital. And he's basically just pretending that they're alive long enough that hopefully the family just like assumes that they went on with their life or something. Well, and no, when, he was doing it so that they would keep sending the board money, like the, the treatment money. Okay. He was getting the, the money from the families. And when the person would die he knew that that meant no more checks. So he was just writing letters to their families as them just to keep the check coming in. Right. So what they were doing is, is when these patients did die, he had like a body shoot and he would wait until night when the other patients couldn't see him and he would dump these bodies down the body shoot. And there was one like little old, old nurse or whatever that worked there. And her only job was, was carting these dead bodies out in the middle of the night. It's just a horrifying thing to think about is this, this one nurse that, was just carting dead bodies away. And that's one of the ghosts that still haunts this place is the ghost of the old lady is people say that they could still hear the nurse wheeling the patients through like the body shoot or whatever. Which is and a creepy sound to hear. It's not, very- it's not that weird because when Dave eventually dies soon, I'm going to prop his body up while we do the show. That way, bloody disgusting still pays us his share of his contract so that we can split that. Yeah. If I ever get, it won't be wheeling him get- down. Murder, you're going to jail. Well, even if it's not <laughs> you. So like, much there's, evidence. There's no chance that <laughs> so no one will ever believe evidence. you. <laughs> it's everywhere. Well, you know, I know there's a prime suspect and you caught a guy red-handed, but we have all this video evidence of Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. So, yeah, so this guy was um, a world-class piece of shit. And they actually, they got him on mail fraud of all the things to catch him on. It was mail fraud, which is pretty crazy. Kind of like an Al Capone-esque situation where they couldn't get him on what they wanted to get him on, so they got him on some bullshit. Yeah, some technical yeah. nonsense like that they just find to get him. What You know what kills me is like these people are suing him for being a fraud. Or no, he's suing people for calling him a fraud. And no one's just like going into court like, okay, show us your doctorate degree. I know. And the, and the court would just be like, okay, well, Clearly, you are a fraud if yeah. you don't have your PhD. Here is right. a, a man who claims to be a doctor with a 100% success rate. That is red flag number one that you're not a doctor. <laughs> yep. Or have operated on in any sort of yes. medical capacity whatsoever. Nobody gives out 100% guarantees that has never happened. <laughs> Especially not doctors. They're always given like the worst case scenario so that no matter yeah, what happens. It makes them look better. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, – but yeah, so they got him on because on uh, mail fraud because he was something about him mailing the bottles. So in 2019, they actually found a bunch of bottles buried on the property. So um, I have the article here; it's pretty interesting. It's a cool find. Uh, so more than 400 glass bottles have been unearthed in the backyard of the Crescent Hotel. Susan Benson, the Crescent Hotel's landscape artist, uncovered the bottle dump February 5th when she was moving earth with a backhoe to make way for an archery range behind the hotel. What year was this? Uh, 2019. Oh, I think it's in 1919. I was going to say that. Yeah, 20 years before, yeah, 10 years before. Doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. He also had a time machine. <laughs> 2019. What a cool find. Yeah, it really is. So that's what all the uh, the display of bottles that was in the video. You saw that they kind of just stacked them all down there. Yeah. By his morgue, which is a really creepy area. Um, but the article goes on. It says they appear to date from 1938 to 1940 when the building served as Baker Hospital and Health Resort. According to Eureka Springs lore, in the hospital morgue, Baker had rows of jars full of the sample tumors, the samples of tumors that he had that had been removed from patients. 
a full page advertisement in the hospital's <laughs> magazine included pictures of the jar. So he just wasn't just treating people with his bogus elixir. He was literally performing surgeries and removing tumors. He's a doctor, Dave. Of course he is. This well, is what doctors do. It poses yeah. the question, if your elixir works, why do you need the surgery to remove the tumor? Why are you doing this if your elixir has a 100% success rate? Yeah. So very confusing. So the quote, we have, a hundred of, we have hundreds of specimens like these, the ad said, actual cancer specimens and laboratory data proves all, all specimens are preserved in alcohol. Gross. Uh, the bottles in the advertisement look a lot like the bottles buried behind the 133-year-old Crescent Hotel. These bottles perfectly match with the posters and photographs of Baker's bottles at the time, said Mike Evans, wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Evans, station assistant archaeologist with the Arkansas Archaeological Survey in Fayetteville, who has been working on the site. So... Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty cool find, and uh, it was obviously. I think it's pretty obvious that it was the elixir bottles that the doctor was using. I got but, real confused about what show I was on for a second. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, am I on my football show right now? What is happening? <laughs> pretty crazy stuff, but um, yeah. So he was a piece of shit, and that's pretty much the end of that story. But I think that so we have a lot of hauntings that are tied to this. And I think most of the hauntings at this hotel were, tie- were tied to this very short period of the hotel's history. Um, so there were some other strange deaths that happened also. So one was pretty recent. In 2017, late Saturday night, a man fell to his death from the fourth floor staircase inside the Crescent Hotel, according to Eureka Springs Police Department press release. William Thomas, 62, was from Webb City, Missouri. Emergency responders were called out shortly after 11 p.m. and transported Thomas to Eureka Springs Hospital, where he was pronounced dead, police chief said, Uh, which is pretty weird because um, there was also another story from when the hotel first opened that a five-year-old girl was playing in that same spot, the fourth floor balcony, and also fell down. And that's, if you watch the video, they had that spiraling down the inside. So it's just a spiral staircase that goes all the way down to the basement, four stories. Yeah, we all vomited. Yeah, yeah, I do apologize for the motion sickness if you watch that video. <laughs> well, that's, but, uh, that's an interesting um, tie together that there was both the same spot on the same floor. Yeah, yeah, pretty creepy. And I believe both of those people are believed to haunt the location. More so, you get obviously there's going to be a lot more stories about the little girl ghost who haunts there because it was, you know, 100 years ago, over 100 years ago. Um, and the other it, one was more recent. The hotel itself looks so out of place, doesn't it? When you see like the footage of it, it's just this massive hotel amongst the trees. Yeah. It's it's like you can see like just being anywhere in the vicinity of it just looking like a terrifying location. Yeah, and it's weird because it's such a small town. They have a population of only like just over 2,000 people. Yeah. which is like crazy small. So you have like a basically a hotel that could probably fit the entire population in it. But there was such a high demand for the healing springs when they built it that they had to, they basically, it would be stupid not to build a giant hotel to capitalize on it. Right. So that's why it's there. Do we, all right. So this is our second time that we've had healing springs and hotels built around it. Do we think there is a correlation between hauntings and healing springs? Could be. Maybe. Maybe the water, the water theory as well. 
Yeah, don't tape. We can't stop talking about water. It's not moving water. Well, I guess it kind of moves. It, it shoots out of the ground sometimes, but um, sounds like it moves a lot. Yeah, I don't know if it's a constant thing though. I think so. For this one, it's more so that the springs were the reason that the place exists. Otherwise, it would just be the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's a town there, and then every town has haunted history. So I think one thing. I think they're probably two separate things, but who knows? Yeah, Joe's right. Uh, said uh, he prayed uh, prayed on the sick for money. It's so wrong and sad. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And the crazy thing about it is, like, people that called him out, they would just he would just sue them. Like yeah. he sued one newspaper. I, I can't remember if it was a newspaper. I, I think it was RKO or something. But he sued them for one point one million because they called him a quack. And I don't see whether or not he won that case, but th- there was so much money flowing, and they were estimating that when when he got the Crescent Hotel, it was making like five hundred k a year off of basically just him killing people. How did, yeah. how, how, I mean, a different time, I suppose, but how do you open a hospital without being a legitimate doctor? Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild that, that they didn't do any kind of due diligence. I know. And that's why all these, you have all these um, organizations and, and regulations and rules that obviously there's, it seems so obvious now, but you know, we're, you know, everything had to start from somewhere. So there was a time where you didn't have to Papa be Squatch legitimate. Says, <laughs> Papa Squatch says he probably won that case. I don't think he was a duck. You know, but nope. if you said he was a duck and you said he wasn't, he'd probably sue you and win over that too. I don't yeah. know if he was winning these 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 defamation suits. I know he was filing them, but I don't did he win what did he win that one that you were looking at? It doesn't say. So I don't think he was winning them. I think that he was just suing and it was just not going anywhere. Mm. Um, Among several libel suits in 1938, Baker sued RKO for 1.1 million after the March of Time newsreel had portrayed him as a quack. It doesn't say whether or not he won or lost. Mm, I feel like that would be an important detail to include in your article. Right. Mm -hmm. How dare you fuck up an article that we did no research on and just want to read what you found? Wikipedia going Wikipedia. That's why we Mm. that's why we second and third source our material. Yep. I don't even ever really use Wikipedia. Yeah, but these people, these people are okay, out of nowhere, says Matthew T. <laughs> the, these people are going to him because they're like at their they're looking for anything, any slither of hope, right? So all they see is cancer treatment center. They think With they're 100% gonna percent success rate. Yeah. Yeah, they're just like, whatever, I need to try whatever I can at this point. So it's like especially cruel because yeah, it, it is. It must. I wonder if it was like super disappointing when they got there and found out it was just watermelon extract. Yeah, you got there and he's like, let me, spread, on. Let, let me spread these watermelon seeds on you. <laughs> like, oh God, why do you talk like that? <laughs> we, what was we that accent? That's absolutely how, he, oh, that was just his accent. I he was just, he was just on the radio for too much and that's, that's how it. Wikipedia told me that's how he talked, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah. He made made it up. Just go spread some watermelon seeds on you. It's called the Nostra. (laughs) You're a weird dude. You are a Uh, weird dude. (laughs) (laughs) So there are some uh, unique hauntings at this one, too. My favorite is the uh, Michael's room. There was some pretty cool stuff in there. So unfortunate situation for Michael. Just trying to get the attention of some pretty girl walking by while he's working on the hotel and he loses balance and falls and lands in what is now room 218. 
and he didn't survive that. So people say they call that they now call that room Michael's room. And one of the hauntings that occurs there is you hear the sound of a wailing man coming from the ceiling, which is absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. And uh, also there is a protruding arm that comes out of the bathroom mirror. I've heard that one, too. And I've also heard that it's two hands that come out of the mirror. Oh, really? Yeah. And they say it's like reaching up, like it's trying to like grab onto something. I don't know if that's maybe like, I don't know why it would be in the mirror, but maybe his ghost trying to like grab onto the ledge or something before he falls out. Yeah. I don't know what the correlation with mirrors and ghosts. When excessive excessive cat calling goes wrong. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I don't know what the correlation with mirrors and, and the paranormal is, but there seems to be a pretty strong correlation there. And I'm yeah, just, many many believe they're portals. Our favorite all, word. All of them? No. God, that would be a lot of portals. Right. <laughs> I have 14 portals in my house. I, I don't know. I don't know. I. We should just move on because none of us have looked into this. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what's your theory on mirrors? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't. Uh, I don't have any in my house. <laughs> I, I believed you. I, don't, I know you have one in the bathroom. Oh, the bathroom mirror. But Rob's a vampire. It's completely pointless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do I need those for? When I yeah, exactly. Good. So there's that. That's Michael's room. And then uh, there is the sightings of the little girl ghost that people see. So I got a story here from somebody. Miss Catherine was standing at the very bottom of the hotel's open staircase with her tour group pausing before they entered the zigzagging trail to the morgue. While all were standing still, Catherine experienced a chill causing her to grow goosebumps, and then momentarily, she found it hard to breathe. The two ladies standing next to her turned pale and quickly asked, did anyone feel that? It's the little girl. She's here. I can feel her. They were referring to the story of a little girl that reportedly fell to her death from the fourth floor railing sometime during the early years of the hotel operations. Where she supposedly landed was the exact spot where the tour group was standing during the literal chilling experience. Uh, the hotel added that they there was a picture taken that the group passed around, and they was a like a misty figure of a little girl in the picture, and they had asked them to send that to the hotel so they could post it. But despite them saying they would do that, they never sent it. So the picture allegedly exists, um, but either way, I think that's a pretty creepy story. And there's all sorts of different uh, sightings of this little girl ghost there. And that's always attributed to the the little girl who fell and died in the early years of the hotel. Yeah, I heard about that one. Uh, just go back to the mirrors real quick. So this is actually interesting because it relates to a few episodes that we've done. Uh, covered mirrors. One of the better known mirror superstitions is if a loved one dies in their home, you need to cover their mirrors. This is important because if you don't, their soul could wander around and get trapped inside a mirror. This is actually one of the be- uh, beliefs with the uh, Velisca axe murderer. The reason that he would cover the mirrors was because the souls could get trapped. That was one going theory on why he covered the mirrors. He also covered the windows and everything as well. But that was uh, that was one thing. And then there's a few other places that that covering the mirrors story came up. And then I believe it was Matthew who said, "I believe that uh, I've heard demons can go through mirrors." So there's a, there's a lot of superstitions that that cover them. Uh, also, you have the broken mirror theory. Obviously, seven years bad luck. You've heard that one as well. And um, yeah, I mean, what, what is, I mean, I don't think the does the broken mirror theory correlate to ghosts. I mean, it's su- superstition, superstition, sure, but there's other ones where if ghosts are um, trapped inside mirrors, 
Um, they can cause bad luck to people and their families. Uh, there was one story of a girl who loved to collect mirrors. She bought one. And then it, uh, I'm not going to go through a story that I haven't read before, but <laughs> there's a, there's a whole, why, lot. why stop now? Yeah. <laughs> I believe I jumped in the middle of that story. I'm like, wait a second. No, no, no. I'm not going to go through that. I'll continue to, uh, to scroll through my mirror theories, but th I, this is not the first time I've heard them as well. And you've also heard of some of the most haunted mirrors. Uh, there's a location. I can't remember the exact one that I was going to cover, but it's, it's one of these like really nice manners, very haunted house. It's definitely a location that we'll cover in the future, but they, they are supposed to have the most haunted mirror in the world. And I had seen that one pop up on a few like ghost hunting shows. And then there's another one in Zach Baggins museum in Las Vegas. That's supposed to be a haunted mirror. And they, they also have uh, the method that's called, I think scrying, which is like you stare into the mirror and you're supposed to see um, some, something. It's, it's some, method, right? I think yeah. that Matthew Thomas was just talking about it in the, Oh no, it's Brennan Barrier. So there's a word for it, but you can stare into a mirror long enough to hallucinate, which is a pretty cool trick. Yeah, Don't so it's, yeah, it. scrying is is something that goes back hundreds of years, I believe. Interesting. I have not heard of that, but I am glad that we have you to do the research so that I can hear these things and know them. But I don't think I'm going to try the hallucination trick. That sounds scary. Not a fan. So the other ghosts that uh, we already mentioned, the hotel nurse who walks around pushing the gurney, uh, but there's also the ghost of Theodora, who was a, she was actually a nurse who worked at the hospital who ended up becoming a patient and then dying there, which is just extra sad. Because you wonder about, about the, the nurses that work there. Yeah. I was you just going to ask about this. Like if she's a nurse there, is she in on it or... Did she think she was actually doing, or was she like a legit nurse? And then why would she become a patient there if she knows what's going on? I don't know. I mean, she. I, my guess is she was not in on it. I, my guess is most of them were not in on it. And he was, you know, he's a scam artist, so he probably scammed the staff there too. I, I don't think you could get that many people in on it, especially nurses that work with cancer patients. I can't imagine them being like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know what I mean? So. I, I would guess, and there's it's a good good question. I, I didn't see anything that says one way or the other, but I have to assume that they were just also part of the scammed, and that's why she became a patient there too. Because who the hell in their right mind, if they knew it was a scam, would just go along and be a patient there? Yeah, it's real strange. I don't I don't really fully understand that, but but yeah. So people say that her ghost. Uh, they they see her in room 419 and she introduces herself as Theodora. She was a patient of Dr. Baker. And after they they exchanged pleasantries, she disappears. Mm. Which is pretty creepy. So after your research on this, do you consider this to be the most haunted hotel in America? Um, well, in order to do that, I'd have to know all i guess i could just compare it against the ones that oh, we have you covered fuck. don't give me this answer you douche <laughs> <laughs> my answer is going to be no either way because i already then why did you qualify it first if you're going to say it's going to be no either way they call themselves that what do you mean? Well, I qualified it because we're having a conversation do what this is a, a, a basically a radio talk show one one word answers back and forth is that what you want no, I don't want you to be like, when I ask you a question, you'd be like, well, I can't determine that because I need to know this, this, and this. And once I do know this, the answer is still going to be no either way. 
You don't want him to give you a nice thorough answer? No, because it's qualifying. You're gaslighting. You're gaslighting me, Dave, and I don't appreciate I'm a, it. I'm a narcissist. <laughs> not what gaslighting <laughs> me, too. That's not what you're, gaslighting now, me. Now you're <laughs> gaslighting me, Jesse. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just like to throw that term around. Uh, yeah, I, I would, um, I mean, I, I think for me to to qualify something as the most, I'd have to go there. I'd have to go there and see what yeah. I feel. I know like the Emily Morgan Hotel had like, when you walked in there, you felt it. Not so much in the lobby because the lobby was very modern and nice. But as soon as you got in that elevator and when you got off at the floors, you're like, ooh, something's off here. You can still smell that formaldehyde on that like uh, hospital wing floor. I don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Hawthorne Hotel, you could definitely feel like something, you know, it's very historic, very old. You even get that at like the John Carver Inn in Plymouth, which we haven't covered, but I'm pretty sure it's haunted. There, there's these older historic hotels. You could definitely feel that they're haunted. And actually, we've got that in a few of the hotels down in New Orleans as well. So you can definitely, you can definitely feel it. So, but that's something that I would, I would like to go into to determine whether or not I think it's um, the most haunted in America. Obviously, we'd have to visit a lot more haunted hotels to make that determination as well. Yeah, but I'm not going to rule it out. This one has some pretty compelling history and some really solid ghost stories. But I mean, even like the, I think the Mount Washington Hotel would be. You'd have to compare it to that one. That one was pretty haunted, and uh, the other one up there too, in, in Coas County. Those are some pretty. Pretty compelling cases for the most haunted. What about you, Rob? Do you think, based off what you've heard? I mean, I definitely want to go. I have to see more information on it first. And after that point, either way, I'm probably going to say no. I hate everything. Everything you said. (laughs) Now you're you're just gaslighting. (laughs) (laughs) What what I do find interesting is the amount of mirrors that they have for Jesse to look at his fat fucking face in the entire time while we're there. <laughs> oh man yeah well in the meantime while, while you guys were talking about whatever the hell you're talking about i had looked all into scrying and i'm now a professional scryer so scry me a river i'll be scrying next paramount paramount paranormal investigation that went well sir <laughs> do you want to tell us about it or are you just are you good no no you can't know my secrets <laughs> okay good <laughs> Anything anything else you want to hit on here, Dave, before we start getting into some pleasantries and gaslighting? No, I did. I teased last <laughs> week when we were talking about this episode, I teased catacombs. So I looked into the catacombs and they were very disappointing. So the catacombs basically just an underground hallway that runs about 50 feet that nothing ever happened in and isn't scary at all. Imagine having disappointing catacombs. Imagine yeah. having an underground tunnel and calling them catacombs for no reason. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that is the definition of catacombs. Like, they that's how they justify it. Like, well, technically, the definition is underground tunnel. It's like, oh, well, you can you can just pound sand. That's a subway, sir. No, no, no. That's our catacombs. The train runs through the catacombs dark in the night. No, that's... Uh... Gaslighting us about their catacombs. <laughs> but yeah, right. no, I think that'll, that'll pretty much that'll pretty much do it. So I forgot to read some of our five-star reviews last week, so I'm going to do that now. Um, <laughs> the first one is from, we're going to say GH Sold, because I don't know if you've seen the full name on this, but it's just a bunch of letters. Uh, it's titled, Really Pulls You In. And they said, I've been listening to the show since back in December of last year. First of all, thank you, because that is a long-time listener. That is like a month into us being a show. Mm-hmm. And I've been taken aback by the different locations you guys do. I know there is a joke that you guys are trying to do 
different states. It's not a joke. We're actually trying to do that. <laughs> but looking at the cases of uh, La, say it, say the law word, La Llorona. Thank you. And the Emily Morgan Hotel. I believe you guys are mixing it up pretty well. Besides, isn't it better to focus on locations and themes you are more passionate about instead of forcing something that you might not feel 100% and end up not making as good an episode? Regardless, I'm still going to listen and keep telling people about the show down here in Texas. Keep it up, guys. And thank you for the entertainment. And I'm, I'm not going to speak for the two of you, but what I would say is whatever we find, I am 100% in. And the whole point of this show is not only to share locations with people, but for me to find new places. So by looking at different states, I'm still 100% invested in whatever I cover because I'm finding something new. Yeah, I do same. find that as well. And, so it's, oh, go ahead, Diff. I said, yeah, same. And like, I actually have gone, because I am actually trying to cover states that we haven't covered yet, but I've come across stories that I was not into and therefore did not cover and just moved on to one that I did like and mm-hmm. that I am into. So we would never... Uh, mail just mail it in just to put something out just to say oh yeah we covered South Dakota or something and just and just not the here I am just trashing states again <laughs> not that uh, anything wrong with South Dakota but you know just an example like I would never just do that so if it's not a compelling ghost story or very you interesting would, ghost would, story you would never do what Dave cover South Dakota wow <laughs> way to gaslight like. South Dakota bro <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to go to South Dakota next what about you Jesse um yeah i mean we're just trying to trying to mix it up but i mean don't gaslight it just tell us like it really is our <laughs> episodes have sucked since rob came up with the stupid idea to cover states that we haven't covered i don't think so i think this one's particularly no. has been great like what, what this, this hotel is a lot of fun oh for yeah. sure not what you said is correct and it w- was that us looking into new locations at first seems like i don't know why not just go to locations that are awesome sure but when we look into these new locations, I'm learning stories that I've never learned before. And I'm like, wait, actually, this is awesome. And for instance, I'm covering, um, I think, Charlotte, North Carolina next week. And I was like, all right, let me just get started on this. So I get a little ahead of the game. Usually I write my episode two hours before it airs. But mm-hmm. with this one, I was like, oh, man, there's like too much to cover. So now it's like I got to break it up and pick out one of the best stories and everything. So, you know, it, it's it's good. It's good to mix it up. All right. We have another review from Karen D, who had left us a review before. She titled, Had to Circle Back. Uh, these guys, this podcast is absolutely the best on a serious side, uh, exceptional storytelling and very non-biased opinions. Honestly, their relationship makes the show, the banter, the fun ribbing. I freaking laugh out loud. Just awesome. Rock on guys. The bunch of ghosts and skull emojis. Hell yeah. So thank you, Karen. Brennan Barrier's comment is uh, worth it. So he said, I like that you do lesser known stuff. How many times do we need to hear the same stuff over and over and over? Which is true. Um, but we are going to cover the big ones too, and you are going to hear it from us. A lot of people, a lot of people, you will yeah. listen to it when we say it. <laughs> a lot of people haven't heard some of these, some of these heavy hitters. Uh, right. For example, the Sally House. Like you guys were like, oh, we're covering the Sally House in a couple of weeks. We're going to do the Sally House. We're going to tell. I had no idea what Sally House was, and then I looked into it, and it turns out it was, you know, one of the one of the biggest episodes that we've done. One of the craziest places. So, I mean, even people that are into this stuff, they haven't heard someone. Like we got a comment, I think it was on our Patreon, someone that was like, you know, I had never heard of Robert the Doll before. It's super creepy or whatever. So, and that's one of the more well-known dolls. So even if you think you know, you might not know. So we're going to hit on those. Plus, it's good clickbait and it brings people into the show. So we're definitely going to the, have the heavy hitters. So um, any other reviews you want to hit? Uh, no, those were the only two for right now, but I just wanted to make sure we got them in. 
cool. Make sure you guys hammer away, man. Every time I go to a podcast, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a crappy podcast. Let's see how many reviews they have. 12,000. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Like, like, all right, so I get it. We're still relatively new here. But please, if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. We'll read it out. Just please make your way over to Apple Podcasts. That, uh, that is huge to getting this show out there. So quick shout-out to our patrons, our VIPs. Our Jeannie R, Jimmy H, Justin T, Lisa J, Mallory K, Mike B, Mom and Pops, Wilkins, Stephen V, and Demon King. Thank you guys so much for being VIPs. Uh, you guys are legends, and you guys keep this stuff going. Everybody else, also, we have Anna C. Welcome to the welcome to the cult. Jake V, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Anthony Angry, Dave Rocks T, Brandon W, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Carrie Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Rachel B, Sarah Dave Lowe's Bacon R, Sarah W, Solar Flare. Welcome to the cult. Soph M and Hooper. Thank you guys for just $3 a month. You can also join in on the fun on Patreon, get early access, ad-free episodes, and much more. And we're also dropping our stickers. Let me uh, pull up a little preview for the people on YouTube real quick. And special shout out to uh, Papa Squatch who continues to just do extra stuff for us on the side. And it's very, very helpful. So thank you for all you do. Yeah. uh, Just a quick preview. You can kind of see it there, but this is basically what the sticker is going to look like. These little coaster size circles. Each one of them has a different location that we've covered. Um, Some of the heavy hitters, but we got uh, the first batch has 16 different locations. So if you have a favorite episode, uh, we'll drop like a full list of them. I know you can't really see them on here, but Hawthorne Hotel, Enfield, Emily's Bridge, Conjuring House, Chillingham, Brownsville Road, Block Island, Amityville. uh, And then the other slide had La Llorona, the Salem Witch House, Waverly Hills, Villisca, USS Salem, Savannah, Pavilia, and the Oliver House. So some of the... uh, Funner episodes, kind of just what I could remember off the top of my head. So, Jesse, Jesse, can we just put your fat fucking face in one of these stickers and send them out to people? I don't think I like this joke that we get <laughs> on here. I don't like this episode. I don't like anything about it. If you guys are wondering where this episode went, I deleted it. <laughs> I'm in charge of uploading this stuff. See what I mean? <laughs> why, would, why was this episode six minutes long? Well, because I edited out every time we called my face fat. <laughs> Mending the show. Thank you guys for tuning into Hometown Ghost Stories. Hope you tune in next week where I will not have a video camera going. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning into Hometown Ghost Stories. His face is even fatter now. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, so the stickers will be available uh, to our patrons first. So we're going to cut them up and release those. And we can... Um, I can't talk like this. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn back on my camera. And... Uh, yeah. Anyways, I think I'll do it. Anything else, gentlemen? It's hard to look at. <laughs> For me. <laughs> Fuck you guys. We're never doing the show again. Next week, Rob and Dave will host the stuff all by yourself. Yep. We'll see you. Peace.